Hello and welcome to Mike Martin Asks. How are we all doing this week? I've got another amazing guest this week. Um, I don't know if everybody's going to know who he is, but when you do know who he is, you're probably going to want to do business with him. Okay, so, so, so this guy, I, I'll go through some of his... Um, some of his achievements, first of all. I mean, the initial thing and, and one of the products that I met him through was he had a contest platform that did over, had over about 20,000 customers, I believe he said at the time, with 30 million opt-ins. Um, I've actually got a lifetime account on there and I believe he actually sold that out. Um, and he then, because he's very, very smart and, and, and he comes out with these these uh, <laughs> mad ideas that nobody else does, he actually created uh, an email, um, a way of doing email that's two to four times Okay, gets you two to four times your average clicks and open. Um, creates He's got a lead magnet tool that will generate up to 70% clicks. And he's made getting email into the inbox. Well, obviously, we all need an email marketing list. I keep talking to my guys about this. Email marketing, email marketing, email marketing, you need it. And probably one of the things he's going to be most well known for after this podcast, he's probably didn't know now, there's a little business, little tiny company from the States called Jim Launch. If anybody doesn't know who it is, this is probably the most sold book in 2022. Well, my special guest tonight was, he helped this guy go from zero to 3.6 million in email sales within his first 12 months. Um, everything he does is super smart. I actually envy him because unlike me, he doesn't have to get on webinars and pitch like crazy to make loads of money. He just does really, really well. Um, Travis Ketchum, let us know who you are, my friend. Hey man, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while now. We've not spoken, I bet it's, I bet it's 18 months. Yeah, something like that. Over maybe a year for longer. sure. Yeah, maybe maybe even longer. I know when, when I last spoke to you, I didn't have any grays and now they're everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm not one to talk. All this, all this you know, innovative technology will put a bunch of grays in your, in your scalp. So. <laughs> Sitting too close to these microprocessors and everything else, it's like, something like it that, just... Yeah. It makes you fat and gray. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, um, I, I've invited you on here this week. I, I look forward to chatting with you. And last time we spoke, I think we were probably talking for a, a, at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours, but it's been a while. I mean, first of all, let our guys know who you are. How, how did you get into where you are now? Where did you start out in, 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 in life? Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, it's been a long journey, like anyone, to to get to the point of, you know, having a team, building products, people enjoy all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've, I've always definitely been an entrepreneur in my, in my soul, like deep down, you know, that's kind of always the, you know, our entrepreneurs built or, or born. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think you're born with, with a certain disposition and then you can be built into an entrepreneur and really lean into it, uh, later in life in a way that is meaningful. But, you know, when I was a kid, I always did like the, you know, I had paper routes and I would wash cars and mow yards and sell wreaths, you know, in, in scouting. And like, I was always hustling something, right. And, and it's always looking for different angles and fun things. Like, you know, I would mow a yard and instead of like, oh, what's, you know, here's my price. I would mow it. And every single time I'd ask the customer, what was the job worth to you this week? Right? <laughs> and I would have a number in the back of my mind that I could counter with that I knew was my minimum to be worth it. But almost every single time, literally with one exception out of hundreds of yards mode, the number was always higher than the number in the back of my brain. Right. It's like every pre- single price- time price elasticity it's like to me it's worth 20 bucks and they're like i don't know 35 it's like cool sounds good to me (laughs) (laughs) and the bigger the house the lower the number (laughs) (laughs) pretty much yeah that's how they got a big house no wait so 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 you kind of figured out some of the stuff because because obviously i I didn't find out anything to do with things like um allowing customers to set their own prices until i was in my 30s so you figured out how at a really really young age and realized that it's probably a very powerful sales technique yeah, I, I would have been like, you know, in third and fourth grade and stuff. And I started figuring out these kind of interesting pricing things. In fact, one of my customers, he he literally told me, you can't come back and mow my yard again until you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary and can give me a, a reasonable definition of it. So it's to give you an idea, just kind of the, you know, the, the people I, I was lucky enough to be around. And, you know, I was buying soda at the grocery store and reselling it in the ferry line, you know, and I had a guy <laughs> in a motorcycle tell me your price is too low. You should be charging, you know, at least a dollar a can, not 50 cents. You shouldn't double your markup. You should quadruple it. You know, it's like, it's just kind of interesting. So that's why I think, that's why I say like, I was, I was born in such a way that I was predisposed to, to sort of be like, you know, wanted to take things in my own terms and take control of it. But I was built in the way of, I was fortunate enough to stumble across a few people along the way that, that helped nudge me in a direction that really kind of had those light bulb moments. Um, and then, you know, I started my first like real on the books 
because uh, you can't own a business here until you're 18 uh, where I live. And so my first on the books business I started in high school, I remember literally like during school, uh, getting online and filing for the business, you know, paperwork and all that, which only takes 15 minutes, not a big deal. But uh, and then I opened up a drop shipping business on eBay. And so that was pretty neat. So I, I filed for some, you know, paid some fees to get access to some drop shipping stuff, found some tools. And you have to keep in mind, this is like, you know, late 2005, early 2006. And, you know, found some tools that would give you like templated ways to pull from different drop shipping sources and templatize your your eBay listings. But eBay was blocked by the school filter. So I had to like set up my home computer as a VPN to like get around the school filter. And I said, that's pretty cool. Uh, I can probably actually sell access to the VPN to my computer too, because if people want to get around the filter <laughs> for other reasons, I just want to run my business, but I'll sell them a login. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the AWS, right? Amazon figured out I have to, I need this for my business, but I can probably resell it too. So I was always finding one way or another to try to, you know, maximize profit at each, each lever. And then I went to school and, you know, I worked some, some standard school jobs while I was there, IT help desk and worked my way into enterprise IT. Um, you know, started with like the crappy leftover computer, helping people fix their outlook. And then by the time I left, I built a, a $4 million video streaming server that had like 32 servers replaced streaming TV or like coax TV with streaming TV. Um, how old then, was you then? <laughs> what's that? How old was you when you did that? Uh, I mean, it would have been 21 by the time I was doing that. Fuck 4 million. <laughs> Yeah, the school paid for it. Like I was just a, a standard student worker, but they had this big push at my university as they wanted to launch the, the quote, most connected dorm in America. And so there was a lot of logistics that went into that for, there was like, you know, I think four or five uh, ethernet plugs in every room. We had, you know, Cisco enterprise wireless stuff, like every 20 feet in the building. Um, and they wanted, they're, they're, one of their neat things they wanted to do is they didn't want to have coax because that was old, right? They wanted to be technology forward. And so in a different place on campus, I had these 32 servers with multiple TV tuners per deal and all these direct TV boxes. So anyone in that dorm could actually just open up any device that had a web browser and watch any of the 60 plus channels that were there. And they could buffer back up to the last 24 hours. So it wasn't like a DVR where you had to like say, I want to record this thing. It just had the last 24 hours of every single channel. Which was so you're a computer programmer as well then? Nope. I actually went to school for marketing. I just I have kind of a techie sort of brain mindset. And, and you know, that's why you know, I built gaming PCs when I was young. And just I was always curious, tearing things apart, putting them back together, that kind of stuff. But never went down the path of actually trying to be a developer because it was it was the technology mixed with the marketing that was interesting to me. Yeah, like it the was the, the human psychology piece, the, the, you know, that price elasticity, figuring that out early about the lawnmowers, right? That kind of like created this appetite for how do markets work? Why do people decide to do things when they decide to do them? And then to me, sort of the cheat code to that was, well, they're even more willing to pay for these amazing outcomes, which are made possible by technology, right? So that's how we got down this path of creating software. I knew I wanted to run a business, but the technology interest and this, this sort of step change that technology can unlock for, for potential customers was what was this, that was sort of like the the Fantasia moment, right? This like, you can have this amazing outcome because it's code and software is eventually going to eat the world. That was clear to me from a very young age, computers and techno and software were the way forward. And they were so much more valuable than, to me at least, than just selling a widget, right? Like selling a widget is interesting, but selling software that can unlock amazing experiences and, and make one person as powerful as a team of a hundred, right? Like this yep. like huge multiplier effect was always super fascinating, but you know, you can hire developers, you can hire marketers, bridging that gap was where my interest lies. And and that has proven out at least over the last however many years longer than I care to admit to, um, <laughs> to be the, the really valuable thing that I think I bring to the table. And so that has led me on the path that ultimately led into being a multi SaaS founder. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, we will talk about your software soon, because it is probably it's, the guys that use your software are the guys that can afford to use your software. It's, it's, but it's, it's known by everybody that it's the best. It's the best in the market, that there isn't a better one out there. Um, anybody that I know who's moved to it has always stuck. Um, and I mean, even my business partner, I think, recently moved over to you, uh, David Casser. 
Yeah, yeah, he's been a, he's been a customer for I think over a year now. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he's raved about it. I mean, I'm too lazy to, to to move it all across and do all the changing of the email lists and building all the other stuff and integrations. And it's like, <gasps> no. So, but but I know when David moved across and he raves about your software and he raves about, um, he, he's literally like to me, it's like he's fucking doubled me in open rates. It's the same <laughs> list. It's the same people. It's the same fucking emails. And I'm twice as many open rates. And I'm like, bullshit. And I'm like, let's cross-reference it. Because I always used to get better open rates than him. And he's like, and he's showing me and I'm like, Fucking hell, it is okay. For if some I told of my business, part- we actually, I think even 10x his open rates. Oh yeah, on some of the stuff that he was doing. For some some yeah, of the segments, yeah, not not the whole list, but some of them for sure. Everybody I know that's that's moved to to, to you that, that's, that's running it, that's running it legitimately, that's not spamming the shit out of people, are, are doing ridiculously well. Um, I can't say enough. I can't. We'll talk about that shortly. First thing, what was you about? Because it kind of connects back to to, to some I did. Because I I remember when I was younger, um, and what I started doing was going to auction houses. Uh, buying flat pack and or buying any pallets of anything they had bringing them home so i didn't have the the, the tech side i'd bring them home and kind of fill my bedroom up and then i'd sell as many as i could on ebay so literally at one point i remember i'd come home and you go through my bedroom door and my bed was on the right hand side there and the whole room was literally full to the roof all the way around the bottom of my bed was full it literally had a little tiny thing that i could walk in and then you just get on the bed and that was it i had that much stuff that i was trying to sell on ebay so you did drop shipping. Yeah, um, drop shipping was cool because I knew I didn't want to do inventory. And and the funny thing is, is like, you know, I I, I love and adore my parents. But I, I remember when I got my business license because I was also like delivering pizza at a, a pizza place. And like, uh, I actually also was working at a Boys and Girls Club for a while. Like I was always doing, and I was doing sports. Like I was, I was way, I always have maxed out my time way more than I have. But I remember getting my business license and, and my mom, and again, this is not a slight to her, but she was like, why don't you just pick up more shifts delivering pizza? And I was just like, <laughs> you don't get it. This like, so I, I knew that if I was going to do it, it needed to basically be kind of invisible to my parents. It's not that they would have stopped me per se, but I yeah. knew that I could probably run faster, test more things, have more fun and, and run it and, and have less risk if I did drop shipping because I didn't have a warehouse. As far as they know, I'm just like, you know, on MSN messenger back in the day or, you know, playing stupid video games. And, and instead I was actually obsessing about like how to make the, the templates for my eBay listings go, go smoother. <laughs> so. And your parents are like, why have you got 300 grand in the bank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't get quite that much money. Cause it ended up, I ended up only being able to run it for about six months before the market caught on margins disappeared. And then there was actually a buy it now problem with eBay for a while where it was a bunch of fraudulent buy it nows. And it just kind of pushed me out. But I did go from, you know, uh, around my birthday, which is in December, having like, you know, 40 bucks I make account to by June when I graduated, I think I had roughly $50,000 to help me pay for like, you know, first year university and not have to stress too much about it in the beginning. I was like, that's amazing considering I spent, you know, what, 20 bucks on a business license. I think I spent 400 bucks for access to drop shipping and then like 300 bucks on another tool to help me do the templates. And other than that, I was just grinding it out and, you know, I could still do pizza delivery which i because i enjoyed working with my friends at the pizza place you know it's like <laughs> it didn't matter just like i was all of a sudden making like hundreds of dollars a day extra that i didn't, yeah, but didn't know about someone said it to me recently that they, they said they said when when's the money enough and i'm like, I'm like well, you know because i'm kind of similar to you i'm on the go probably i mean i was up at five o'clock this morning and i i'll finish my webinar later at about 10 o'clock tonight then I'll sit up to make sure that the 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 the, the webinar video goes into the replay page and does the thing. So I'll be up till probably midnight. So so and, and and someone was saying to me last week, when's it enough? And I was like, it's not it's not about the money. It's not about the um how much money you make or how much you've got in the bank or how much you could say, right, I'm not gonna work for the next 10 years because I don't want to. It's more about that with entrepreneurs have something in them that, that you've got to be constantly challenged. And once you get it to the point where it's like generating tons and tons of money, you're like, okay, what's the next challenge? Let's automate that. What's the next challenge? Are you the same as that? Yeah. I mean, definitely. For, but I mean, the money's great. Like, uh, you know, I've had some really lean times. We could talk about that. There was actually some really hard times in, in building this email platform. It's, it was more than 10 times harder and more expensive than I ever imagined. And it almost bankrupted me at least four times. Like I was days away from like maxed out credit cards, everything going to shit. Like it is, in, it is insanely hard. A- after already having a successful SaaS, it was ex- insanely hard. Like the email platform should not have, you know, pushed through and got to the successful side it's at now. So I just want to preface that. It's not like all hunky-dory roses. Everything's up and to the right. Like 
I was leveraging, you know, it cost me like a million dollars of my own money and, you know, uh, just straight up. So (laughs) I was like pulling from my retirement funds I had done, maxing out credit cards. Like I was upside down 20K a month for years, right? Did you feel at the time? Yeah, but again, like you just said there, right? I know people where I can turn around and say, look, if you invest five grand into this here, there's a potential that you're going to have a business, you're going to be able to run it. And how much have you got in the bank? And because they've got 25 grand and they're not willing to risk 25, five grand on it, on some that the, the potentially could stop them being sad and depressed and, and hate the job and all the rest of that stuff that they've got. And obviously you're saying <laughs> you, that's the difference. The, do you, do you, it, 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 there's a feeling there that it's like, I have to do this. Yeah. The, the drive for me, like I, I actually kind of think it's analog, analogous to, um, you know, I'm kind of the tech guy in the family, right? That probably isn't shocking, but like, so my family, my wife's family, like they're constantly like, you know, how do I do this on my iPhone or how do I set up a mesh Wi-Fi network or whatever, right? Things that that's not my job, right? Like, and so sometimes I hand it off, but, but to me, the rewarding part is not like, let me fix your problems. For me, the rewarding part is having other people experience that Fantasia light bulb moment of like, wow, technology is amazing. Right. So like think about the first time that your parents saw like, you know, like it's frequent now on Apple, you know, on like the iPhone or whatever for it to make like these little photo memories and or you can search for, you know, mountains and it's every photo you've ever taken of mountains and it never had to go to the cloud. It was all done on device like what my the device in my pocket that has incredibly high speed Internet can automatically identify every mountain photo I've ever taken and find it for me in a second. That's a, an example of a Fantasia moment, right? It's like, yeah. it's like, holy cow, this is possible. So to me, that's the driver is, is I don't want to just like build like a me too software or whatever. I want to build stuff that can have people feel that technology can be transformational. And that's what drives me to figure it out. It's like, yeah, there's probably some ego wrapped up in it. And there's probably some like, you know, uh, need to be diagnosed self-worth wrapped up in your work kind of stuff. Right. But like, it's it's really like at the top of the pile, it's that transformational experience that I'm trying to create because that's the magic of technology. And I kind of feel like that's my purpose to build in this world, if that makes sense. Yeah. So tell us then, what, 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 what's, what's, where's your software at right now? Where's, where's what you're doing at right now? And where's it going in the next sure. two so, years or three years or five years to you? Yeah, it's I take a pretty long term horizon. I you know, so so the name of the email tool is Campaign Refinery and it it originally Put a link I think in the bottom. Yeah, well we can drop a link, it's fine. Um but like I think it's important to know why Campaign Refinery exists. One big transformation that happened so far in the middle of its story, if if right now is the end, right? Obviously it's not. And then where I think it can go. So when I was building Contest Domination, which is the tool that you have a lifetime license to and you use and sort of put my name on the map, right? Because it was my first software tool. And again, that was kind of a YOLO moment of like, I lost my one and only client and I put like 4,500 bucks on a credit card. And I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always go sell iPhones. Um, <laughs> right? So like when you get tens of thousands of customers and you have a lot, you know, a lot of volume in there and I was learning email marketing along the way, that tool existed because I needed to build my own list as quickly as possible. I didn't like the way any other contest did it. So that's why I built contest domination. And then as I got down the pipe, I was like, wow, you know, I just got this like deep feeling that for, and I can't tell you what it is or why, but I I just had this like real strong sense that my opens and clicks were way lower than they should be like way lower. And I was using Infusionsoft at the, at the time that I was having this kind of revelation. And I thought it was amazing that you could do all these automation tool features and functions. I thought it was amazing you could use tags. But just like the performance for some reason doesn't feel like it's there. And so I started talking to my customers and it turns out almost everyone who does email marketing, even if they're successful, has this yep. sinking feeling that they're not doing enough or it's not performing enough for what they'd expect it to do. And so I tried to ask, you know, Infusionsoft some other questions. I'm not going to bash on them too long, but it's like, you know, why doesn't this work how it's supposed to? How can I improve this? How can I be a better sender? How can I use your platform more effectively? And I got a whole lot of nothing or misdirection or pointing different, pointing other ways. And, um, <laughs> you know, at one point I literally said like, hey, I, I paid your team to set this up and it doesn't work because I went to an Infusionsoft event. And they they pointed me to the developer forums and said, good luck. And then when I said, well, 
I really feel like you should help me figure out how to be a better emailer. Um, and I was clearly getting frustrated. Their support said, good luck finding anything better. And I was like, I'm a software dude. That's the wrong answer. I'm going to figure out eventually what the sinking feeling is telling me about the, those opens and clicks. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to build a solution. I'm going to sell it to everyone else. And I'm coming for your customers. Right. And they're like, ah, you're so funny. Like, you're not, you're never going to do that. <laughs> I bet he'd sack that guy if he knew who he was now. Because <laughs> loads of guys moved to you from there. Yeah. So that's that, that was the genesis of like, I was like, okay, I got to tinker and try to build things and see is it viable. And I started this like multi-year process of trying to figure out what are all the optimization ver uh, variables that can make deliverability amazing? What do I need to change as a sender? What do I need from a technology to make that possible? And so that was like a multi-year deal, right? This was, I started fiddling with it in 2016. It became viable for us to use in 2018. And there was a big pivot in 2020 that made success almost assured for like vast majority of people that signed up for us. That's why our average customer doubles or opens and clicks now because I've just been like relentlessly hammering this process, right? Part of its technology, part of its strategy, and part of his is behavior of me as a center. That's kind of the trifecta. Um, and so when I made this shift and I started to get, get these results, it's like, okay, now how do we automate as much of that as possible, right? Like how do we, when you come in, yeah. how do I force you to use the tools that are amazing? And how do I force you to act like a better sender, you know, whether you trust me or not, so that all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're doubling your clicks. And all is for, all is forgiven about, personal ideas and, and closely held beliefs when the results speak for themselves. Right. And so that was kind of the journey we've been on. And thankfully the experience of running contest domination from 2012 to 2022, when I finally sold it um, has ingrained a lot of things in me about the human psychology part, the human interaction and how that can influence you as a sender and your placement. And so I've been, over the last few years, weaving in as sort of like as a tapestry, more and more of that kind of psychology and, and approach. That, and that's how we get, you know, a lead magnet strategy that gets 70% of people who open to click the lead magnet, right? And we're, and we're implementing more strategies like that. And then we're creating that as a plug and play feature because it's this gamification and making it fun. And then doing that actually results in significantly better outcomes. So that's more more gamification and more automated rule sets that will force you to be successful as, as sort of my future game. So what are you seeing, seeing across the board open rates on average? Um, well, I mean, we have like a global average, but we want to look at probably industries and, and like senders. Um, you know, if, if you look at like the world's open rates, most people's open rates are actually not that great, <laughs> right? Nope. It's in that sort of 15 to 20% range, which... Yep. In my opinion, if we're only getting you a 15% open rate, it, I'm like panicking. I'm like, hey, something is totally wrong here. <laughs> mine's, mine's between 22 and a half and 25, 26%. So that's, I get about a quarter open rates, but I'm not, not massive spammer. So I sometimes don't email for two weeks at a time and things like that. Yeah. So the funny thing is if you emailed more often, you could actually get that number up. Um, people usually think, oh, my list doesn't want more email. It's... It's like, well, there's there's two factors at play, right? There's what does your list want mm -hmm. and how can you build a content strategy around that? And the second piece is what do the ISPs want from me? The Googles, the Yahoo's, the Microsoft's. Ah, okay. Okay. And they're not always aligned what those two what those two parties want. And so it's trying to walk a balance that makes them both happy. Okay. Because what the ISPs want Okay. more than anything is consistency and predictability right so if like we, we set aside for a minute what your list may want which i can tell you some strategies about how to give them more of what they want more frequently so that it adapts to what you want what the isps want in a perfect world is if you sent the exact same amount of email every single day with the exact same open the exact same click rate the exact same complaint rate so they know, like clockwork, exactly what to expect from you tomorrow, the next day, and the day after. Shit. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's I, a, I never thought of it outside of the, like, it's always been like, my guys, because sometimes I do, if we've got a special offer on, I'll email twice a day, every day, for two weeks, and then I won't mail for two weeks. So 
you're telling me, even though it might piss my list off a little bit, if I'm emailing every day, that because it's a consistent, they have an email going out every single day from from the ISPs and, and mm-hmm. from the, the, obviously the people that, that deliver the mail <laughs> it, it, or, or accept the mail, should I say, that they, they want to see consistency. So, so, so it's just all about regularity. That that's a huge component of it, right? And so uh, they they want consistency, and then then they judge you as a sender. You, you have what's called a sender reputation, and so your sender reputation. Everyone who starts to get into email thinks like, "Oh, that's just your IP, right?" Like, what do they think of your IP? I need a better IP. Give me a better IP address, please. Give me an IP that's used for whatever. Right? They get all hung up on the IP, and it's like, you know what? The IP doesn't even really matter. It really doesn't matter that much, especially in twenty twenty three and beyond. Like. The IP kind of is important in the beginning, but I've seen uh, the, the other part of this equation is your domain reputation, right? And so depending on how you've configured your email, you may be actually building or writing on the reputation of the domain of the email platform you're using, okay. or you may be building and curating your own domain reputation. And the way that we have our users send is we only allow them to build their own domain reputation because we that helps create a bit of a moat between our users. And it allows the good senders to all of a sudden be untethered from the bad senders. Right, so boom, there, there's a win. There's about a thousand wins you can do, but this is like one big win. Then it's like, okay, between IP and domain, what what's the distribution? How much of, of each one of those matters? Is it 50-50, 60-40? It's probably about 80-20, 80% of it being your domain. So the IP does matter, but it's not the whole ball game. I've seen high rep domains get primary inbox gangbuster numbers on a shit IP. That's just facts. I've seen high rep IPs with shit domains go to the spam every single time. Right. So, so, so that's a fake news thing, that really, isn't it? Because everybody's like just attached themselves to the IP address. And, and I mean, because I get people in here every week, right? And, other than one guy, right, and then every single person that I have had on here, and I've asked the same question, what is the most profitable part of your business? You know what they said? Email. Every single time. Yeah. And then the guy who never said it, he actually said, I said, you're the first person who's not said email. And he went, well, it all starts with the email. That was his exact <laughs> answer. And I thought... And this is what I'm trying to help Mike because I've got a lot of SEO guys in my crowd and I've got a lot of people who do lead generation and I've got a lot of people who, who generate massive amounts of leads. And it's like the amount of money you can make off the back of generating these leads is way more than you're making selling the leads to the actual businesses in the first place. But getting SEOs to actually accept that and 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 and, and realize how actually how much money is in email marketing because we, yeah. we can send an e- we can send an email and do fifty or hundred grand. I mean, what in what other world can you do that? And SEO is important. We're we're actively I'm actively building a content team right now, right? Like I think SEO is a great long term play to build your list, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the caveat, right? To build your list, yeah. um, like so we talked about you know the, those global averages that fifteen to twenty percent open rate. Even with that being a global average, not a campaign refinery average, but just global email average, the global ROI on email is thirty six to one. So if you're getting a 15 to 20% open rate because you're an average sender, you should on average get $36 back for every dollar you put into your email program. Yeah, I think we get way more than that. But yeah, I, exactly. I, And I'm a 25% average person, but we're, go- we're good at email marketing. Um, so imagine because... if you double your opens and clicks and everything else stays the same, right? Now 36 to 1 becomes Fuck. 72 Yeah, so if I double my open rates to say 50%, I've been making twice as much money. I've probably been making 100 to 1 on email market. Do you know what? I could actually say, right, right now, yeah, and I, and I always think to myself, oh, I'm, I'm pretty smart at business. I'm a good entrepreneur. I'm good at this. I'm good at if If I lost the ability to use email marketing, I would probably go out of business. Yep. I, That's I think true I would for go so out of business. Businesses. Yeah, for the guys that use it. And the guys that don't use it are all struggling. <laughs> and the guys that do are like, we're loaded. <laughs> so obviously, so- we're, go on, sorry. Yeah, just I wanted to give people a tip because you may think like I don't want to email my 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 list more frequently, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to email them every single day, but at least a couple of times a, a week. And you know, even if you don't want to run offers, because if you run, if all you do is every time they get an email from you, it's like, hey, dude, give me money. 
like that's that's going to get tiresome right yep so you got to find ways to, to be creative and weave in different different concepts and um one of the things that i'm a big fan of right now is metaphoric storytelling and so if you can find metaphors to plant the seed and illustrate an example yep. it, it allows you to do a couple of things your email can become entertainment Right, it becomes it becomes actual media, not just a way to tap your 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 prospect on the shoulder and say, "You got anything left in your wallet for me today?" <laughs> right, it becomes a way to entertain them. It builds affinity for you as a sender, and it can let you illustrate an idea in advance of a promotion. So, if you've got if you know you have a promotion coming up that solves certain pain points, find some existing stories that can connect with your readers that can illustrate and agitate that pain in advance. So you're educating them, you're entertaining them, and you're you're basically pre-selling the thing you're going to be hitting them up about like, and hey, this week we've got this tool that, you know, solves the same pains that the person in the example story I told you about last week, it's a real story or maybe even a fable, but it can illustrate a pain in, in an articulate way. It's a great way to add more content, increase the touch points with your list, make them entertain, entertained and educated in a way that they don't complain about. And then when you do give them the offer, it's it's not just, hey, by the way, here's the offer that you know an affiliate asked me to send out this week. It's, hey, I believe in this pain point and I want to help you solve it. And this does it faster than anything else. Do you know what? I make the mistake of creating those pain points in videos and putting them on YouTube, but I totally, yeah, I get it. So give us an example, just, just, just a quick example of how you'd use that. Sure. So you could find, uh, you know, stories about how, you know, a lack of a system is causing chaos and pain, right? You don't know where to look. And so you could find all kinds of examples in human history about, you know, ocean going navigators not having a map to where they're going or not having the blueprint to build a ship. Or if you only knew that the steel of the Titanic shattered under, under hard ice, if you just knew that one tip, right? Like you can find all these examples where a lack of plan, lack of a system, right, could could have catastrophic events, right, and keep you from moving forward or have catastrophic events. And so then if you have, you know, a funnel builder, and it's like, if you have the plan and you can click a button and it, and it creates the steps of the funnel and you know exactly what the system is that's going to do it and it keeps it focused and you know exactly start and outcome, you can tie that back to if the navigator had the map, they could have gotten to America faster. Knowing that America even existed and when they're trying to get to <laughs> India. You know, there's so many ways that you can make that interesting, entertaining, and connect with what people already understand. So that when you introduce the actual offer, you can then even use that same language, which makes the offer more interesting. Because instead of just, I have a funnel builder, it has these benefits, these features. It's it's like, hey, don't be like, you know, Columbus. Imagine if you actually... <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yes, story selling, isn't it? So it's, it's completely story selling through 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 email marketing. Um, yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, I tend to do I, I tend to do regular emails that sends people to to YouTube videos and stuff like that. But actually writing story, I'm, what I'm going to do tomorrow is my, I, I've got a girl who does my emails for me now, um, and I'm going to make her watch this video, um, and then and and hi, I'm talking to you, Lauren. Um, right, <laughs> and, then, and then what I'm going to do is, is is I'll sit with her and we'll go through and try and figure out how we can implement this into our own email marketing because. It is. It's a. It's, it's a pot of gold. I mean, why? Why did you choose email? And, and I think I know the answer. But why did you choose email over everything else? Well, I picked it for a couple of reasons. You know, one is it. You know, just straight up, it's one of the most profitable, stable sources of traffic. Uh, it's one of only two owned assets you have in your entire business. They're di at least digital assets: your website and your email list. That's it. Everything yeah. else is rented property. So, unless you're building around those two things, you're your solution, your software, your tool could, you know, be Thanos snapped the next day and, you know, an algorithm changes, a API rule changes and you're out on your butt. So I knew I wanted to go that, that path forward um, because asset, 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 and contrary to everyone, you know, not everyone, but the, the hyperbole of emails dead, which will come around and die out and come around and die out until I'm dead. Um, it, if you look at what drives the needle for people, it's, it's email. And I also picked it as, as a software solution to build for because I thought it was so unclear. And for, for whatever reason, the platform makers didn't really want to tell you like how to be a good emailer most of the time. And 
I think if you really dig a little deeper, it's because they actually have a monetary incentive to not tell you because most the way most email providers charge, they actually hope that you're going to upload like a 200,000 person list and never actually send them email because they want to yep. charge you to just have that in cold storage. And on the flip side, the people that try to tell you about email marketing, uh, you know, there's, of course, exceptions to this. There's There's lots of very knowledgeable people out there, but there's also an even larger number of people that they have something to sell you in terms of coaching or training or whatever. And so they, I feel like purposely make it sound more complicated. Like there is a hidden rule book that you need to know about, but they, they, they want it to be extra cloak and dagger, right? Because they want you to pay them 20 grand to know the secrets. And they also only ever have a sample size of the people they directly work on. And they don't have a sample size of a platform that gives you like this really like 30,000 foot view to pick out trends, to look at, you know, what does mail privacy protection from Apple really mean? Well, if your sample size is four email lists, it can be kind of limited, right? If your sample size is, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of emails, you start to get some statistically significant feedback, right? And so I think mixing those two things together and 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 pricing in such a way that like your success as a sender is aligned with our success as a platform, I think is it just really spoke to me. And that seemed like an interesting way forward. You've actually just opened my eyes to something that, 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 that I never knew. I, ne- I knew it, but it had never actually registered. I'd never thought of it that way. But you, when you said it's the only two assets you own in a digital business is, is your website. And because, yeah, your traffic on Google's borrowed, you, you, your paid ads is borrowed. If they shut your account down, if they shut your Facebook, the only thing you really own is your relationship with your email list. And and that's, it's, I guess that's rock, it's absolutely rock solid because even if your email providers kick you out, you still own your list. You just move it somewhere else. I mean, I have three, I have my email on, on three different platforms, my, my list. And I do that just in case I've ever, if I ever get my, any uh, an email list taking that and i never have <laughs> but i'm still that paranoid about it because i've heard of people it happens to and it's like <gasps> so i have three different ones um where literally they just filter to each other via via zapier mm-hmm. um how many emails have you guys sent then would you know what in, how many millions billions um it's a lot it's not as many as some of the longer established platforms as you can imagine but um let's just put it this way i i signed a contract this week with mailgun that was an order of magnitude larger than the contract from last year, so which was an order of magnitude <laughs> larger than the contract the year before that. So, um, I think yeah. a, a, most of the guys who do email as a profession, the email marketers, every single time I speak to them, um, the majority are now moving across the the ones that don't spam. So, so the guys that do do a lot of the spamming and things like that, do you kick them out? Oh yeah, we have we have you, basically zero tolerance for bad behavior senders because. There's a, there's a subset of of the email marketing community that you know that they, they want to use the tool how they want to use it, and I empathize with that to an extent. But it's like the reason you've had problems is because you haven't adapted your strategy, your data management policies, or your approach. And so when people come to us and they say, "Oh, my results at Platform A were really bad or were great, and then they turned bad. And then I moved to platform B, and they were great, and then they became bad. They moved to platform C, and then they were great, and then they went bad. To me, that's like three red flags, right? It's like, okay, uh, that's not the platform then. Because, uh, you know, we do have certain features and functions in place that other platforms flat out don't, and that is a big piece of it. But how you use them and how you use even our sort of parity features, the ones that are the same as everyone else, how you use those in conjunction with our unique features, that's where the magic happens, right? And so it's like, we will, like, just by being honest, generally speaking, you will have a step change better. But if you adopt our philosophy, our approach, if you see why we built our tools in a certain way, that's where you get the, like, huge step change, right? Like, like the radical reinvention of your email program in a way that actually reduces your costs and dramatically increases revenue, because that's the end game. But you have to do both. Right. The technology pieces will make you better by default. And I'm trying to increase the number of default things we do to make you better. But you must also adopt our philosophy about email, right? And our strategy and our approach to get that not only amazing results, but keep amazing results. Because I don't want a customer for a month. I want a customer forever. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, and and, and obviously, the guys that are, uh, are breaking the rules are, are going to bring down. No, the way you set it up, it can't bring down everybody else, can it? Because everybody builds their own email, their own I mean, domain. There is shared IPs, and in, in like I said, IPs are not the end all be all. It's about eighty twenty, and there are there are some risk sort of vectors that we're exposed to for negative senders that I'm not interested in in messing with. So. We do have some some places some things in place to kick them out, and we're going to be even more stringent soon on our process of approving people to send in the first place, right? To make sure that they are taking all the things. Not we we are fairly stringent on the data on the data part, um, but I want to be more stringent about the domain, the content part, finding more very more sort of characteristics that would identify that this that a particular sender may be of higher risk, and so there's. There's probably about a hundred things I could do there. So we're starting down that path of implementing more and more of those. And um, so I'm excited to to get to that point. You know, there's some really interesting sort of heuristics and algorithms you can check against to identify the likelihood of a sender. You know, we, we did some of this work back when I was in contest domination too. We had fraud probabilities that had all these vectors based on a whole bunch of different variables that were specific to contests, but you know, based on country, IP location, login behavior, what does your data look like? What does the downline look like? What's, you know, all these different characteristics that would help us automatically trigger certain thresholds. Like if you were above a certain risk tolerance, we would actually shadow ban you and then come back and unban you if if we got it wrong. But if it was too, if it was above a threshold that, that we were comfortable with, we would stop it from influencing the rest of, of a customer's platform. Right, of their contests in the past. And so we want to do, I want to do more of that with, with email. And there's a lot of interesting things we can do, but it just costs money and time. So, so you've got to, everything in business does. I mean, every time I, I speak to my business partner, I'm like, is, is this ready yet? And he's like, no, it'd be ready in two months. And then a year later, it's like, is this ready yet? And he's like, uh, it'd be ready in two months. And it's like, yeah. a year goes by and it's like, is this ready yet? And it's like, things become so big. Um, and a lot of people don't realize once you get to a certain size with the soft, cause we've got one called lead simplify. That's an absolute monster, but making a change takes six months because it is so big and there's so much to it and, and everything's connected to everything else. I think it's, it's, it's a, probably a rebuild that we need on there, um, from the ground up to, to make it more simple, you know, more module. Yeah. As you get to scale, it becomes increasingly difficult you know it's like uh we were doing some database automation optimization stuff recently and we're, we're, we're continuing down that path but it's like any change we make we'd be really careful right because my developers were like well we have about 40 to sixty thousand requests a second for all of our stuff oh, wow so <laughs> yeah. oh wow you know yeah tread carefully <laughs> yeah because even if you go down for five minutes it's like Oh, we hear about it. Yeah, we we yeah, we've only had that's... one one area of 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 downtime, and and thankfully that was um, it was planned. It just lasted longer than we wanted to for a, a huge database change. Um, but our customers were thankfully very forgiving because we've made them a ridiculous amount of money. But those are the kind of things you try to make almost never happen. So we do our best to avoid them. I've got a selfish question, right? So what I'm what I'm looking to be able to do is send emails on a specific day at a specific time not date not after they join a list each week they come in i figured out how to do it but it's super complicated and it's dead easy for my team to make mistakes with uh what, what i need to be able to do so, so we do a lot of webinars and we do a lot of auto webinars and w- w- if, if you've got a follow-on sequence that somebody joins your list on a monday then they only want them to be able to receive tuesdays wednesdays thursdays emails then they get the we're live in five or, or we're live in four, four hours. We're live in five minutes. Then they go into the webinar and then it does the follow on sequence of, um, the, 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 the four hour after the email, um, the Friday, the Saturday and the Sunday, and then the Monday, the final day type of type of emails. Is that something that's possible inside of your platform? Uh, about 90% of that is there's one extra little piece that we need to plug in where if they dropped in, let's say on a, on a Wednesday instead of the Monday before where it could advance them to further closer to it. That's the only, the only wrinkle we'd have to iron out. So if, if they signed up on a Wednesday, they just rec- they wouldn't just receive Wednesday's email. They would get the, the first email of the three. Like if you were going to send one on Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we, we do yeah. have a uh, day of the week based delay timers, right? That only releases on certain days of the week. At certain oh, so, 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 so potentially I could say 
I could say like four o'clock on a Monday, release this email. So, so, so they join on a Wednesday, right? And, and I could say, send this on day zero, but only let it out on a Wednesday at four o'clock. Yep. Cancel all the other days. And that would work pretty simple then, wouldn't it? Yep. And that'll work. And then the other ones, and then as long as by the time you get to the final day, you move them off, off the email list, you've kind of got a, all right. I might, I might be setting up on your, your platform tomorrow. Uh, well, the cool thing is, is that we'll actually migrate you for free. We're doing this test right now where we actually are doing free migrations. So, Well, that, that wouldn't be up for the migrate. So what that would be is we've just finished a brand new webinar that, that, that we're going to be pushing throughout from now till November. Um, but the whole thing is going to be done live to my audience first with the best list, with the best price that they can possibly get. And then we'll increase the price and then we'll do it on an automated webinar via ads. So it would actually be a brand spanking new list with the full automation set up. And then you go in and then we do it as a um as as a, a recorded webinar in Goat Webinar. So you just run it because you run your lives in Goat Webinar, get your best, stick it as a recorded, do that, and then have the follow-on sequence, and then it would move it into a different list as soon as they've done it. So obviously it builds your list each week, and then all these people are are kind of being taken through the same path via the ads. Yeah, we actually also have a feature called Evergreen Flash Sales, uh, which is kind of like deadline funnel. So you can actually dynamically add and remove access to offers, even in emails you've already sent from automation. Wow. And iframe around it and add countdown timers that automatically calculate based on how off, how long they should have access to it. So then even if they bookmark the link, share it on social, forward their email to a friend, it's hard-coded to their contact ID. Wow. Okay. You see, little things like that, urgency, scarcity, things like that, people don't realize how powerful that is for conversions that like it took me yeah using a similar kind of tech is actually how we do that that lead magnet strategy that gets 70 percent of our users to click our lead magnet if you pull up your best lead magnet right now what percentage open and then what percentage click that lead magnet if you had to guess 10 percent. 10 percent click rate my my lead magnets are terrible. My opt-in pages are brilliant. I've got some opt-in pages like sixty seventy percent opt-in page, page, and you know what? Mainly they're just they're just title and and no no graphics, no pictures, nothing, and a box. They're they're the best. But my 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 I'm terrible with lead magnets. I'm, I'm the most uncreative person in the world when it comes to yeah. So we use nice. some of that evergreen flash sale technology to add scarcity to the lead magnet. We basically say if you don't go click this, I'm actually going to take it away from you. Ah, okay. Shit, okay. So you've got a time-delayed lead magnet. So it's like, here's a free disk. Click in and have a look. Yeah, it'll be going three in, hours. Yeah, and then it's like, cool, it's free, but there's a catch. You got to go click the link in under 10 minutes. That's brilliant. And we're gonna. And and why am we doing this? Because actually so simple. get results. Yeah, so simple. But we have a, a it's over 74% open rate on that email. And then over 70% of those who open click the link to retain access. Wow, which which drops them right into the PDF, so they actually freaking see the see the content, see everything that you need them to see. Yep, and, and that's all the built people that are now motivated to solve their pain. So they're all built inside the platform and hosted inside the platform as well. What the pages? The lead magnets. Do you actually host them inside your platform, or uh, it just it just links out to Amazon S three? I mean, it's yeah, it doesn't, it's, to, it doesn't have to be. Like people, I think often want to overcomplicate the, the the process. Like when I launched Contest Domination, the first version, it was a WordPress plugin. I didn't even have a membership site. It okay. it was literally like they bought it on ClickBank. It would add them to an Aweber autoresponder, and then it would send them like, "Here's your unprotected S3 link to download your your zip file for WordPress." That was Thanks. it. Yeah. So it was almost <laughs> the only thing you paid for was really Aweber. Yeah, Aweber, and then I had you know a simple like sales page for it built on WordPress, and then it was built into ClickBank. Yeah, I've 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 found that out myself recently. We've we've got we we're guilty of overcomplicating a lot of things, and it's like take it back, think about one thing, and just figure that one. And they're actually really simple when you think about it that way. But I guess complicating it sells for people. They complicate it, make it sound hard, and then people can charge you a fortune for doing it. If you go back to what I said earlier about ESPs versus, you know, industry experts, air quotes for those who are listening, <laughs> is that they purposely make it feel cloak and dagger. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be effective, right? It's like, I, I, I think you'll love me if I help you get amazing results, right? Who cares how simple it was? It's kind of like that old fable about, you know, the, the engine that won't run and, you know, it runs the generator for the power for the whole town. It's really important, right? And the generator stops working and, you know, they've, they've 
they've had their mecha- best mechanics on it for days and still no power and they, they must fix it. And they call him the, the best expert in the area and he comes up to it and he goes, yeah, I can fix that. It's 10 grand. And they go, oh, 10 grand, but you know, we haven't had power for three days for the whole town. Well, okay, 10 grand. And he pulls out his ball peen hammer. He walks around the corner, gives it a good whack <laughs> in one spot. The thing fires right out. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not paying you 10 grand for swinging a hammer. He goes, okay, let me, let me rewrite the invoice. Swinging the hammer, $1. Knowing where to swing, $9,999. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be complicated. It just has to work. The knowledge and the process is everything in business. Um, I've, I've got to ask you before before you get off, because you're the only person I know that's worked with Alex Amosa. Um, is he really as 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 driven and as focused and as as? So, in full disclosure, um, I've only very very briefly messaged with Alex. I mostly worked with his team. Um, okay. So, full disclosure there, but. When they came to us, it was kind of it was in 2020. It was right after we made our big shift, big pivot for the company about how we were going to send email, how we were going to other features we thought were required, like automatically cleaning your list, which almost no one else does uh, before you ever click send. You know, removing undeliverables, spam, uh, you know, complainers, spam traps, all that good stuff. And they came to us shortly after we made that pivot um, through a copywriter friend of mine who had been hired by Alex's team because he had done copy for Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels and. Came highly recommended. And he's like, look, I'm amazing at copy. Fairly good at email, but like, you know, email deliverability specifically. He's amazing at email copy. He goes, I really want to try out your stuff. Got this big client. You better deliver for me. <laughs> it's like, all right. So they had about 120,000 leads that they had collected over the last few years, which were netting them exactly $0 in sales. COVID was collapsing their overall sales. They were moving to this, you know, digital-based deal. Their average open rate was single-digit percentage when they came to me. Uh, it was like, you know, three to 5%. It was, it was netting exactly zero sales calls, which means zero revenue because their whole thing is driven direct response about, you know, you know, run a Facebook ad, get into a landing page. They would enter their name and email and then they go to a page to book a call. But all their follow-up was, was completely ineffective because they could not get in the inbox. No matter what they did, they couldn't get it to work. When the candidate said, look, like full disclosure, we don't think email works anymore. We think email's dead. We, we, we've tried for years. We spent a lot of money on it. Uh, and within 90 days, <laughs> I had run them through our, our process that I you know had been perfecting for years and spit out a marketable size of their audience. And now all of a sudden, their average broadcast was a 55% open rate. They had, they had dramatically reduced what they had even been spending on email, to be honest. And suddenly... Uh, 20 to 30% of all of their sales calls came from email. Wow. And so, so the first 12 same... months, that was wow. 3.6 million, which is what they've allowed me to share. They've hinted that the second year was double that. Wow. Shit. So a lot of that I mean... is the skill of the copywriter that brought me the you know, deal. Because like I said, look, this, I need you to write this this many emails for this sequence. I'm going to run it through it this way. And they're going to spit out and I'm going to, I want you to pick these audiences when you're, when you're broadcasting and then gave them feedback about, you know, some tweaks and stuff there. But the whole process took about 90 days to run their 120 ish thousand leads through it and get them a marketable audience. And then you know, there were some discussions about, Oh, we think we want to send to the whole list. And I was like, no, 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 it won't work. You know? And so we sent to the whole list, which included the, the highly active ones that had gone through my process. And then the next day we sent just to the active ones, which were in the segment from the day before. Yep. And we tripled their clicks. It's like, see, proof. <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, everybody I speak to deals with you. How how do you remain? And because obviously you guys are massive now. How do you say stay so hands-on? Um, well, so the the scale that we have had is actually not necessarily in the number of customers that we have. It's in the the size of customers that we tend to bring on. So I'm trying to hire people, you know, as much as I can and, and indoctrinate them in what I think email should be. Yep. Right. Um and I just, I, I, I honestly, I love the product and I love the challenges. And so getting in there is a big piece of it for me. Um, understanding customer pain, we're about to ship a big new UI update. Um, I've got a really exciting pipeline on what I think will continue to uncork bottlenecks along the way, both in customer success, customer retention, trial conversion rates, all the normal sassy kind of stuff um, that needs optimized and improved. And and trying to bake the ethos and training into it and and finding ways that I can say, hey, here's a template on how I do it. Or um, thankfully now some of the team, I can create a bunch of looms and say like, 
here's my process, how I did this portion. And then they can go create that into the five support docs it needs to be. So you can follow step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and, and replicate the results repeatedly uh, in a successful way. And, and it's also, I think, a little bit of abstracting some of the technology away. Like like I said, the, the, the goal for me is the Fantasia moment. Not, I don't need you to be the best email person in the world. I need you to get the best email results in the world. So how do I, how do I shortcut that process, right? It's like, again, you know, a lot of people come to us, oh, I, I need a dedicated IP. Someone told me I need a dedicated IP. And it's like, well, you, you don't even send enough email to qualify for dedicated IP in the first place. But like, don't even worry about it. Like even our biggest customers send a ridiculous amount of email. I basically train them at this point, like, don't even ask me about IPs. It's just going to work. Like, send to this segment and this segment and do it this way and it'll be all cool right like you don't have to know necessarily the why i'll I'll explain it if you really want to know but oftentimes when i really start getting in the weeds and getting all excited about email like people do what i say check their iq they like you know their eyes roll to the back of their head <laughs> um and it's like there's just no need like if you want to nerd out about it like we sure we can hammer on it but you probably just want to make as much money from your email list as possible, right? Cool. Do these three things. Let us worry about everything else. That's that, that's what I'm. I I start talking to people about webinars because uh, I love them. I love the psychology of it. I love everything about them. I love I, everything to do with webinars. And when I start talking about webinars, especially to me, Missy, she's just like, I, I stopped listening ten minutes ago. <laughs> well, I just love the whole. Yeah. The- it's a, it's important for us to remember, right? Like I I, I literally think of this quote probably every single day. And that was a uh, a prior CEO of Black & Decker had the revelation that they don't sell drills, they sell holes. Yep. People don't actually it. care about your tool, really. They don't even really care about your process. They are in they are in place A and they want to be in place B. And the vehicle to do that, you know, there's a lot of psychology around that. It's like, is this the right vehicle? How do we build belief that this is the right vehicle? How do we support them that this vehicle will get them there? Right? All those kind of things. And those are important to an extent. But it's really easy for us as practitioners, right? Like in our in our specific lane to like get so excited about a feature or a benefit or a process or a strategy that we can easily lose sight of all we're doing is we're taking people from point A and helping them get to point B as fast, as cost effective and as easily as possible. Yeah, that's, that's it. all they really care about. And that's all they should have to care about, right? The rest of it is is the dessert for us <laughs> geeking out I, about the process and the technology. I wrote a book called the um, one sentence, uh, the one, I can't remember the name of my own book. Uh, uh, the one sentence marketing something. Why can't I remember the name of my own book? There's only one sentence, it, you know, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's something like the one sentence marketing summit or other, I forgot. Um, but in that, it says uh, it basically the whole point is to get your customers for the, 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 the fastest route to the desired outcome with the less uh, effort and, and, and pain on their part. And it's the one sentence marketing plan. And that that's exactly what that's all about. It's exactly what you just said there is getting them to it as fast as they possibly can. Now, I'm conscious of time. I'm looking at it. I know you said we had to finish it dead on an hour. Um, but all I'm going to say, mate, Travis, is, is thank you very much for coming on. Um, my guys are going to absolutely love this. And you might have sold quite a few of my SEO guys when we get this out on email marketing now that they understand the actual, the finer points of it. Because the thing about uh, SEOs is they love to get into the weeds and play around with these things and figure out all the different um, little strategies and stuff like that, which in email marketing is huge. For sure. Um, well, the good thing is we actually put together an awesome uh, playbook on how to get the most out of email. They will also show you that sort of flex on the uh, the technology on that gets that seventy percent click rate. So when they go through this process, they will get to experience that, and then the outcome they get is honestly a, a PDF that you know I could probably charge thousands of dollars for. It sounds dumb to say charge thousands of dollars for a PDF, but like if you follow this game plan, you will have success, right? So it's called the Inbox Formula, and I'm happy to give you the link for that. Um, there's no real games there; like it's just me trying to teach you, show you some cool stuff. Yep. And if you find a value out of that and decide you want to give us a spin, awesome. If you take that and you go make millions of dollars on another platform, that's cool too. I think we can help get you there faster. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to help people. I'm pretty sure you can get them there faster because every single person I know that's moved to your platform hasn't just been able to speak to you personally, but they've also been able to 
massively, massively increase it, increase their open rates, the click rates, the, the amount of money they're making on a, on a per email basis. I'm conscious you're thinking, could you send me that on Skype? And I will then get that, make sure that that's in, in the footer of this video for everybody, as well as the link to Campaign Refinery. And mate, thank you very much for coming on. It's been awesome speaking to you. Let's not Absolute leave it another pleasure. 18 months before we speak again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. Cheers, pal. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.